Today, the Below Average Joe's MMA Show present the Weekend Recap. And we're here to talk about anything and everything from UFC Vegas insert number here. Sean Strickland goes back-to-back on main events, gets the win this time over Nasruddin Imavov. But Dominic, the real story of Saturday was everything going on outside the octagon. Lots of big fight announcements coming, like Claymore's on a battlefield. You're just dodging, 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 trying not to let them take you out. So we'll talk about all this and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining us, episode 260. It's Monday. We're here to give you guys your recap of the weekend of MMA, which only belonged to the UFC, Dom. UFC Vegas insert number here. Headlined by Sean Strickland versus Nasruddin Imavov. But we know what the real story is today. Big fight announcements for really our two March pay-per-views. That's right, March is going to be one of the biggest months in recent MMA history. Dominic, how excited are you? How does it feel to have MMA back in your life? Just let me know what you're feeling. Listen, it was fun to have a card this weekend to watch. It wasn't anything crazy, nothing great, but it was just nice to have fights back in our lives. But then you get all these announcements that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. That's what makes it fun to be an MMA fan, man. These are going to be big ones to talk about. Big storylines in the backgrounds of these fights as well that we get to get into. It feels good to be back into the swing of things. Our favorite sport is getting cracking, Noah, and it's fantastic. And there's nobody better to discuss it all with than you, my friend. So how was your weekend? We're heading in. Your boys... The Bengals playing tonight when we're recording this Sunday night. How are you feeling heading into it? The nerves are hitting a little bit. We do have a big game tonight. Hootay Nation, stand up. But can't think about that right now. Got to gotta, gotta process and think about what's going on in our MMA space. And it, it's been a good weekend. Fights, taking them, leave them. But, you know, it's good to have them back. It's kind mm-hmm. of the calm before the storm that is UFC 283 right, coming next Saturday. So mm-hmm. um, that'll be fun. And, uh, yeah, obviously getting these big bombs dropped on us that are these huge fights really help in fleshing out this episode. So can't can't be upset about that. And, uh, Dominic, I think we're just going to go ahead and jump right in to our main event of Saturday. Sean Strickland. Gets the victory over Nasruddin Imavov via unanimous decision. That is back-to-back main events for Sean Strickland. He took this one on about a week's notice. Came in, weighed about 205 pounds. Imavov, about 195. So there was about a 10-pound discrepancy. But he does get the win. Um, I guess, Dom, there's not a ton of takeaways for this fight, I guess. But if you had... To name like your one big takeaway from this fight, what is it? I think it's the fact that Sean Strickland can come in off the couch and still go for 25 minutes like he's been in a training camp for eight weeks. Like, we, we again, take it or leave it how you like his fight style, dislike it, whatever. Depends on the fight, I guess, with some people. You know what he's going to do every time, and it does amount to a lot of output, nonstop pressure for as long as the fight shall go, in this case, 25 minutes. 
and he did it after going 25 minutes in a hellacious fight with Jared Cannonier less than a month ago, takes this on five days' notice, and then, I mean, honestly, shut down Imovol for the whole fight for the most part. Um, that was just the biggest takeaway for me, regardless of the size, the weight, like everything. The fact that he can do that, man, with no camp or anything, that's impressive. I mean, like the guy, dislike the guy. I think that's the biggest storyline in this whole fight, to be honest with you. Yeah, I completely agree with you that the, the, that definitely feels like the big takeaway is that we have to give a lot of credit to Sean Strickland. Imavov deserves credit, too, for taking this fight. But I'm not trying to look too much into the performance here from Imavov because he is taking on a new opponent as well on five days' notice. And he was outweighed by 10 pounds, so... It's kind of hard to really judge this performance from Imovov too much. It may have been too much too soon. Time will tell. But for now, just appreciate him stepping up and taking the fight. His first main event spot didn't go his way, but I don't think he loses any stock here. Sean Strickland, I think, does come out looking pretty good from this. Um, I, I have my, I guess... No, I I was going to say I have my critiques with his fight style, but I really don't. I mean, I just I recognize it is what what it is. I think people because of his uh brash aggressive talking style, I think people just assume that he gets into the cage and just throws down. But he's actually a much more intelligent fighter than what that kind of style might bring him results-wise and he picks his shots very well. Great striking. He, he he will get into a very technical brawl with people and usually comes out on top. And that's sort of what happened here. He looked really good. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of on to the next one for Strickland. Not a whole lot else to say. Anything else you'd like to add to that, Dom? I want to add one thing. It was actually something that Dean Thomas said on the broadcast, which was I've never really thought about it until he said it. But he said that Sean Strickland can make better fighters – Hence saying that Imavov overall is just the better mixed martial artist, right? That's basically what he was saying. But he can turn these better fighters into or bring them down to his level, force them to fight his fight. And a majority of the time when Strickland does that, he gets the win or has very close losses like we saw in the Cannoneer fight. So I just thought that was an interesting point. I've never thought about it before, but now I feel like I'm not going to be able to unsee it every time that Sean Strickland gets in the cage afterward. Yeah, well said. We'll move on to our fight announcements portion of the show. Big ones, Dom. Big ones, and they were leaked ahead of time. I feel sorry for a poor T-Mobile Arena employee who put up this graphic on the arena before it was ready to be announced, but it is official. UFC 285, March 4th. There will be a new heavyweight champion crowned as Surreal Gone takes on John Jones. The fight that Dominic has been clamoring for for forever at this point. He gets it. It is a massive fight. But there is so much to dig into here, Dom. You obviously have the element that this is for the undisputed heavyweight title. Francis Ngannou is now stripped of the title. He is also free to sign wherever he wants in the UFC. They have essentially cut ties with Nganu. 
just a lot of craziness dom i'm curious your thoughts we'll start with just the matchup itself this being the headliner march 4th no co-main announced yet but just you know maybe explain to the people why this has been the fight that you have been most wanting to see for a long time yeah this is this is to me the highest level fight that the ufc can make right now in my opinion like obviously we have islam versus volt coming up in february and that's outstanding right champion versus champion so if there's anything that's close to it it would be that one but man surreal gone just looks like one of the most special talents that the heavyweight division for sure has ever seen and honestly the ufc as a whole the way that he can move at that weight and you know dana kind of said it last night he's a heavyweight that moves like a middleweight and it's just ultra impressive john jones is looked at by a lot of people as the best fighter of all time and if he's not your best he's probably in your top three top five at worst uh so the fact that they get to match up together john jones finally making his debut at the heavyweight division i believe noah he first mentioned wanting to do this in 2013 so 10 years later we are going to get to see that debut and it comes against a special talent like gone I don't think it gets much better than this. Like, obviously, if Francis was still the champion, and we'll get into that a little bit more, him versus John is is a great fight. Don't get me wrong. But if we're talking all-around skill sets, tit-for-tat, matchup styles, everything, this is what you want. If you love the sport of MMA, I couldn't be more excited for this fight getting announced, Noah. Yeah, I think it's an excellent test for John Jones at heavyweight because we know what kind of challenge Surreal Gone will bring in terms of striking. And then if all else fails, John Jones maybe goes into for his wrestling and uh, is able to utilize that. So we'll get to see really just how good a 35-year-old John Jones making his debut at heavyweight after being off for what will be three years at this time it's completely unpredictable how what kind of fighter we're going to get in there so much has happened since then both good and bad for his career and you have the layoff mixed in with the age mixed in with the new division he looks good he looks big he looks like he's filled out at heavyweight he took the proper time to um get his body ready for a new division put on the pounds the right way now it's just time to see how what kind of fighter he actually is at heavyweight and against a guy like surreal gone if he could go in there and beat surreal gone that would just show so much in terms of the all-time status and just how the legacy of john jones for for whatever it's worth i understand that so much of what's happened with him outside of the octagon sort of is like the black cloud over his uh, legacy. But you can't deny in terms of his athletic achievements, this would be up there for for his legacy as a fighter if he were to come out on top in this fight. I'd be curious what the opening odds are for this. I think, uh, isn't J- is Jones a slight favorite or is he a slight underdog? Because I almost feel like he should be an underdog in this fight. That's actually a really good question. I have not seen or heard, but I can try and check. Well, while you do, I think we'll we'll talk about address Francis Ngannou portion of this announcement. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me personally, I know Dom said this is the fight he's most been looking forward to. 
for me personally, um, I'm very, I am disappointed that they couldn't get a deal done with Nganu. I think everybody is, but I think one of one of the reasons, I guess, for that is because I I I thought a fight between Nganu and John Jones was just massive. Don't get me wrong, a fight with him and Sorogan is great. It's big. But I thought a fight between John Jones and Francis Ngannou was even bigger. I thought it was an even bigger test for John. You take on the guy who beat Surreal Gan just a year ago and has the biggest KO punching power the division's ever seen, and he looks like he's making his game even more well rounded. Taking on John Jones, who would have been much smaller than him, but obviously has such a great skill set in his own right but then you still take in the factors of 35 years old three-year layoff all that so i i think i was more in, interested in to, in a john jones and ganu fight but once this fight was announced with him and gone it's huge it's massive it's a it's a big fight it's a big deal i'm excited for it so really that's like splitting hairs but the bigger part of this dom is that francis ganu is a free agent now Francis Ngannou is stripped of the title. He is now free to sign wherever he wants. They have waived any sort of matching clause or anything from his contract that would keep him in the UFC. He is no strings attached, an unrestricted free agent at this moment. And I can't help Dom but feel like, you know, when we saw that picture come out that uh, I believe Ngannou had posted and you saw one of his family members wearing that PFL shirt, and people were like, does this really mean anything? And at the time, it was kind of, I think I, I even kind of subscribed to the belief of, uh, it's probably just a negotiating tactic, like not really mm-hmm. something he's actually, you know, thinking about doing. It just seemed implausible that this guy, who was like the best heavyweight in the world and could get the biggest money in the UFC, you would think that he would go to the PFL, who is a smaller promotion. But... The more you really think about it, PFL just signed Jake Paul to their pay-per-view super division. They obviously are willing to shut out some money to really try to take this PFL thing to the next level. And they are serious about this pay-per-view super fight division. I'm not super confident in it, but they are proving that they are really trying to get behind it and put resources into it. So Dominic, I think in the next couple weeks, Francis Ngannou will be signed to the PFL Superfight pay-per-view division. That's always a mouthful to say. What were your thoughts beyond that? Do you think that would be a good career move for Francis Ngannou, or do you feel like he, you know, do you feel like there'd be, you know, I don't know. Like, can you? Would you really be able to sort of? I guess as a fan, because I don't, I, I don't expect you to like critique his career move and say like, well, it's a bad career move when he's ultimately the one thinking it's best for him. Like, I'm not trying to put you in a position where you know what's best for him. But in terms of his legacy as a fighter, in terms of who, wh- where he stands in his career right now, do you feel like th- as a fan, this is a good career move for him? I think now that the UFC is basically out of the picture, it's the best possible career move for him, to be honest. I feel like Francis got to a point where he was fighting. I mean, he was a very active heavyweight for a long time. Don't look at this past year as like any outlaw, like it's an outlier, right? Because he was always fighting 
a lot. He was fighting very, very good fighters and beating a majority of them. So he kind of reached the pinnacle of the UFC. He was the champion. Uh, he was able to, you know, have those big moments. And with the injury and everything, I feel like it put a lot of clarity into his head. Like, what is really going to make the most sense for me moving forward? I've kind of done it all here. So financially, he's looking to get set up the best that he can. And if that is in the PFL, that is 100% what he should do. And I think it's 100% what he is going to do. It is funny to look back on that picture that you mentioned. At the time, we never even really got to talk about it on here because it came during that kind of law period. I was kind of in the same boat as you. Like, um, I mean, she's not wearing it for no reason, but maybe it's just like Noah said, a negotiating tactic, wanting to kind of leverage the UFC. But now I feel like you have to look into that mm -hmm. even more so. I feel like he's probably maybe even already had a couple discussions or at least his management team with the PFL. I think things are now going to move relatively quickly. He will be in the PFL for a chance to get his opportunity to box like he's been talking about and wanting to do for massive money. To be in the super fight pay-per-view division with the 50-50 revenue share, um, you know, do with that what you will with how the buys will be, but still it'll be a lot of money. And I think there's an opportunity for him to compete in the season format as well and add another million dollars on top should he win the whole thing. Massive, massive financial opportunities are here for Francis, and I think he is absolutely going to capitalize on him, Noah. I don't even – it's like 95% to me that he that's where he's going, the PFL. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. But I guess my actual question, though, was that I know I understand the UFC have now cut ties. But let's say the UFC was still interested. If he had, the, if he could go back, if he would have signed back, been the UFC heavyweight champion, and you have a fight with John Jones or Surreal Gon or Stipe that you could potentially have next, versus what he would get with the PFL, the potential money-making opportunities. My question is, is that the right career move for him? Because he, it's not that the UFC didn't want him back. You know, he's choosing to bank on himself, to bet on himself and go elsewhere mm -hmm. because he, I'm assuming didn't feel like the UFC's offer was enough for his liking even though Dana said it was the biggest contract that a heavyweight would have ever gotten in the UFC's history. He felt like he was worth more, so he is going to find more. Do you feel like it's the right move, though? That's that's the question. Like, Do you think him leaving the UFC to go to what is a smaller promotion, but potentially to make more money, have maybe more freedom, more avenues to make money, and then everything else you just said, is that the right move for that in your belief as a fan, without knowing his current situation, do you think it's the right move? I think it is. I really do think it is. I going back to kind of what I said with how he in his head, I feel like he probably just figured he's done it all in the UFC. Why not gamble on myself, as Noah said? Selfishly, of course, I'd love to see him fight, you know, John Jones, have a rematch with Gone, uh, a trilogy with Stepe or something like that, whatever. I do find myself saying yes, that I think it is the right career move for him. I think it's just going to set up a lot of cool things that we may get to witness him do that we wouldn't have necessarily got the chance to see uh, inside the UFC. I feel like two years ago, if you asked Dom this question, I would have said no. 
and went on a tangent about how he needs to fight the best, blah, 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 build the legacy. But I don't know, man. I feel like his legacy's kind of there. Like one of the hardest, the hardest hitter ever in the UFC, became a champion, been there, done that. Now he's wanting to experiment, take chances, do some cool shit in this time period where it feels like the PFL is really at the forefront of that for the MMA world and MMA space. I like it. I really do think it's the right decision. I think time will tell. Um, I I see what you're saying. I think a lot a lot of those money making avenues could be great, but he is sort of going into something that's not a given right now. Like the PFL is yet to really prove that they can consistently do a pay-per-view super fight division, that they can continue to charge people for pay-per-views, put on fights on pay-per-views that people are willing to buy so that it is worth getting guys like this or Jake Paul who can make a 50-50 revenue split. 50-50 revenue split don't mean a lot if 50,000 people are buying the card. Right. You know, you want more than that. So... There's a he's definitely betting on himself here, which I fully support and think that more people should do that. I'm just I think time will tell if this is really the right move, but I do think he's taking a lot of risk here because Dom, I could totally see. I mean, the PFL tends to do a better job in marketing their fighters or promoting their fighters and fights than like Bellator does. But there's a good chance in like two years. Ngannou is going to be kind of irrelevant. Like he would still be, even if he's heavily promoted or whatever, like as big of a star as this guy was bubbling to be in the UFC and had really become. I could see in a couple years, you know, if if this PFL super fight division doesn't really hit the ground running, what boxing opportunity is there going to be? He's no longer the UFC heavyweight champion. Like it or not, a lot of these opportunities that were at his disposal with the whole boxing uh, Tyson Fury or whatever, a lot of that came because he was the UFC heavyweight champion. What's ironic about that is he can't get those opportunities while being the UFC heavyweight champion, but a lot of the reason why... He was people were interested in him for those opportunities were because he was the UFC heavyweight champion. So it's like you have to leave that that organization to to get you have to leave that organization to get to that opportunity. But then once you leave it, all of a sudden the thing that was kind of getting you there is no longer attached to you. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the audience I guess perceives this move. How long term in five years is Francis Ngannou going to be a star? Is he going to be one of the biggest names in the sport? Will he be a bigger version of Fedor in terms of MMA fans, or will he become sort of irrelevant? I think either one's on the table, but I don't blame him for taking the chance. Yeah, yeah. Um, next one here, Dom. We will talk about UFC 286. Got our headliner, our co-headliner. UFC welterweight title will be defended. It will be the third matchup between Leon Edwards and Kamara Rusman. Co-main event, Justin Gaethje versus Rafael Fazayev. This is happening March 18th in London, England. 
So Leon Edwards gets his homecoming fight versus Kamaru. Then you got Justin Gaethje versus Rafael Fazayev. So I guess your thoughts, third matchup, but probably more importantly, at least because we kind of already knew we were kind of getting this fight. What do you think about Justin Gaethje, Rafael Fazayev, Dom? That's a fantastic co-main event. I was, I'm honestly a little shocked that it's on that one and not the Vegas one, though, um, being that neither guy really has nothing to do with London. But, you know, it's still a sick fight regardless. I don't care where it happens. It could happen in the – well, no, I almost said the apex, but no, that fight has to happen in front of people. It's awesome. I think it's an incredible co-main no. event. It's an Come incredible on. matchup. Justin Gaethje, yeah, Justin Gaethje fighting someone – I mean, obviously, it's still a top 10 guy, but it's someone that he's not. He's been fighting big names and guys that are veterans and whatnot. But now we finally maybe know we're going to see this could kickstart a trend of where these guys that have been in the top of this division for a while are welcoming this newer generation into that top five or at least giving them the opportunity to get into that top five. So so I think it's an incredible fight. It's by no means going to be a boring fight. It's almost guaranteed to be a banger. Fazeev is an incredible kickboxer. Justin Gaethje is just a dog. And I feel like, and um, I'm going to try and describe this as good as I can because our buddy and I, Branson, was talking about this with him the other night. Gaethje is a perfect matchup for these young up-and-comers to get a chance to get into the top five because it's winnable in a sense that Gaethje's kill or be killed, right? You're always going to have a chance to get that finish, but it's never going to come easy because he is always pressing forward. He's always forcing his opponents to fight his type of fight, regardless of if he wins or loses. And that's why I think this is such a perfect opportunity for Fazeev and for Gaethje to potentially hold on to his spot there. This is going to be his 11th UFC fight, all 11 coming against top 10 competition. That is an, an absolute insane stat so it's an amazing co-main event i wish it was honestly even five rounds but three rounds should suffice when there's going to be that much violence and then you get the trilogy with Mm -hmm. kamaru and uh, leon that's a hell of a a twosome there on the top of that card i don't even really know many other fights on that card i'd have to go back and look through them but it's going to be fun yeah they're definitely stacking that card i can't remember off the top of my head what else is on there either but i know it's pretty good stuff so the the month of March is just looking like it's going to be an all-timer uh, for this podcast and for just our MMA fandom as a whole. So, Dominic, with that, we'll move into the rest of UFC Vegas insert number here. Co-main event, Danny Ige gets back on track. He gets the second-round knockout of Damon Jackson. Poor Damon Jackson might have tore both his ACLs in the process, but it's a big win for Ige. He was in need of a big win. He got it. Tough loss for Damon Jackson, but it sort of happened the way we thought it would. Um, how much does this win do for Ige? You know, does this really, is his next matchup now going to be against the guy ahead of him in the rankings, or does he still have to kind of prove himself for a little bit longer? I think it just, I think for his morale, he just needed a win, man. He had lost three in a row. And if you go even past that, like five out of six or something, like it was a tough skid that he's been on. And I think we do kind of know the ceiling that Ige's at now. So I'm not calling for him to get cracking right back into like a contender spot or get back into the top five. But I think he does fight another ranked opponent. Someone in that 10 to 15 range, I think there are still good fights to be had for Ige. And if he wins that one, 
maybe we talk about him cracking back into the top 10. It sucks for Damon Jackson. He was on a really good streak of momentum. His chance to get in uh, to the top 15, and he falls short here. I just don't know hindsight, and again, we don't train or anything like that, but we watch a hell of a lot of MMA, and it's just, I wonder why he chose to stand with Ige because he's so good on the ground, and Mm -hmm. he never really even gave it a chance uh, to try it. And Ige's good. He's well-rounded, so I'm not saying a takedown would have just came easy, but I am just a bit surprised, especially even after, like, you get done with that that first round or even the first few minutes that you don't at least try and press it and see what could happen. But that's all hindsight now that the fight is over. In the moment, I know how hard it is for these guys. So I do still like Damon Jackson. I think he's in fun fights. It's just uh, it was a bit of a step up, I guess, too soon. But Danny Gay's got that power, man. He can do that to anybody. Next fight, Dom, Raquel Pennington continues her resurgence by getting a big split decision victory over Ketlin Vieira. This fight wasn't all that great. Yeah, this women's bantamweight division is just on the struggle bus the past, I don't know, two, (laughs) three, fuck it, four years. I mean, it's been rough for this division, man. (laughs) And uh, you're totally right. You're totally right in the sense that this should have been, or at least felt, way more important. Number two versus number five. Win streaks on the line. A title shot, potentially, on the line. And um, I don't know, man. It's just, I, I don't know what it is with this division and all the top talent right now. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's awesome that Rocky has won five fights in a row now and had this resurgence. I think it's incredible. But I just don't know with the storylines of Juliana and Amanda how anyone has really taken that number one contender spot away from her. I think you have to run that fight back and do it a third time. And um, we'll just kind of see what happens with the rest. At least, uh, please, hopefully, if they run that trilogy back, there's some sort of parody afterward for a number one contender, man. But yeah, I think after seeing this fight, do the trilogy. Rocky still got the win streak. And they're also, congratulations to her, they're having a baby, her and Tisha Torres, so she'll probably want to take some time away anyway, so maybe it's for the best that they do do that trilogy, and then we'll see what happens. So, I like that, Noah. He knocks out Heone Barcelos, 4 minutes 40 seconds of round number one. I did not see this coming. I know Barcelos, as good as he's been, as underrated as he's been, hasn't been as good over the last year or so maybe showing a bit of a drop off so i figured namaga made would win and would win in dominating fashion but this doesn't happen to heoni barcelos he does not get knocked out cold like this in the first round what a performance for umar namaga made off what should be next is a guy with a name and he may get dominic umar may get a top five opponent next as crazy as that sounds a guy who has not fought anyone in the top 15 and his first matchup be a top five guy, I really believe it's a possibility. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, Noah, let's look at it this way. The guy's already number 11, having not had to do that, you know, in terms of fighting comp- uh, rank competition. Then you brutally destroy and knock out Heone Barcelos. That says something, man. He is probably going to crack. He may crack into the top 10 on Tuesday 
with no ranked wins. And I would have no problem with it. No issues here. And I think he honestly should fight a top five guy next, if I'm being truthful with you. That's how scary this guy is. That's how good this guy is. When you're known for your grappling advantages and combat style, Sambo uh, wrestling, and you go out and do this? Come on, man. I, as I yank my fucking ears out with my earbuds, it's scary. It is absolutely scary. This is a future champion that we're looking at here. He's 20, just turned 26 or 27. Top five. I don't care what his wins look like right now. He's an absolute beast. Yep. That's it for the rest, Dom. But there's only one way we end the show around here, and that's with the little segment we like to call closing statements. Um, I'm going to go back to the MMA-related portion. We don't do that a ton on the closing statements, but just to get back into the Francis thing, just a little bit here to finish the episode, what do you all think? Do you think this is the right choice for Francis? Do you think he will go to the PFL and be in the Superbike division? Will he box next before anything? Just give us your kind of thoughts on the whole Francis situation, what you think will happen next in his career and just for fun, early predictions on John Jones Surreal Gone. Forgot to mention it earlier, but I did look up the odds quickly. It is John Jones plus 100, Surreal Gone minus 120, Noah. So let wow. us know all your thoughts on that craziness wow. that we saw yesterday. John Jones as an underdog. That's just crazy, but I get it. I mean, I really do. I mean, everything going against him going into this fight is incredible and surreal god is just so good that i believe it but it's just crazy that john jones is an underdog that's that's wild um yeah i got nothing dom so i guess uh that's it my name is noah baker that's dominic slee we are but just two of the below average joes and we'll see you guys on friday